So this is the part of our little gathering where we are going to open up the Bible together. Before we do that, I want to share a little story with you. Uh, it was about 10 years ago and Mary and I were journeying home from Glasgow and we we're in our, our wee Renault Clio. And uh, it was a great wee car, our, our Renault Clio. It had lots of little quirks. Uh, one of the quirks being whenever you turned right and it was raining, uh, a, del- a deluge, is that the word, deluge? A lot of water, <laughs> a lot of water would fall out of the, the sunroof. So we had a, a pre-prepared piece of plastic which would funnel down the water into a bucket whenever we turned right when it was raining torrentially. But uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm sharing. It was a lovely day weather-wise. We were on a road trip back from Glasgow. Uh, we were there to visit Mary's brother. And we were about 20 miles from Dundee. And it was, a, it was March time, I think it was. And instantly the sky changed. And we had probably one of the craziest 40 minutes or so. Uh, there was a snow blizzard of ec- epic proportions. The snow uh, just dumped itself down. It just fell so heavily. Cars were actually skidding to the side of the road. We could see cars as we were passing. And you couldn't see, you, you know, so f- like 20 meters in front of you. Like it was just white. It was a complete white out. And it was really scary. So we dug out, I think it was the Hillsong worship CD. And uh, we got that on the go. And Mary and I prayed like we had never prayed before. And all I could do in that time as we were praying and listening to worship and, and, and afraid in that moment was grip on to the steering wheel as hard as I could. And uh, I remember that feeling when the snow had passed. When we got to Dundee, the snow had gone, the sun came out and uh, my hands were so sore from gripping on uh, to the steering wheel. And like, all, yeah, all my power and focus had focused on this wheel. Uh, the, the question I want to ask this morning is, how's your grip? And what do you grip onto when change comes? We have been doing a wee series called New Roads and Rivers. And we've been celebrating new stories with Sean and Becca, new life with baby Finlay. And we're looking at new roads and rivers and we're reflecting on a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah being a book uh, that brings a message of of warnings and a message of hope. And we're into week three in this series. I'd love you to to go back and listen to the previous two if you haven't had the chance to do so. Uh, We see warnings in the first half of the book of Isaiah uh, about Israel's rebellion. And that will come at a cost. But then on the the other side of the book, we see a message of hope that a future king is coming, that God's blessing is coming. Uh, So I want to look at the couple of verses that we've been reading in this series in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. And I'm going to pray before we do that. Lord, thank you that you're here with us right now. And we want to focus our attention heavenward just now. We want to open our hearts, open our minds. We want to give you ourselves afresh right now. So uh, we do that. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would shine in uh, the dark places, that it would fuel the empty places that it would open up new spaces to step into, Lord. Yeah. 
here. We want to go where you are leading us. I pray this morning is an encouragement to us, Lord, as we step out into a new week. In Jesus' name, amen. So Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love these couple of verses and I've loved unpacking them and uh, asking God what he is saying to us uh, through them. It's all about making new routes in wastelands and wilderness, ways and roads that have never been taken, something different, not like before. Any change that the Lord wants to bring is always good. And any new thing he wants to do in us or in our city is always for good. This is good change. But change isn't always good. We have an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And sometimes the change that he brings can really derail us. But the Lord can turn it for his good. We can learn, we can grow closer to God. He doesn't desert us in those moments. But the change I want to speak of is when God invites us into a new season. And that can surprise us sometimes. It can unsettle us sometimes. It can upset the normal routines and patterns that we have become accustomed to. It can catch us unawares when we become comfy. When God is whispering in the still of a new assignment, when God is making it a way in a space that is uniquely designed for us. And he's inviting us in. He's saying, come on, let's go on an adventure. When we uh, see and perceive, and the next part is to step in, to participate. We have a choice in those moments. It might be a new step in our worship. It might be a new step in our career. It might be a new step in living in the day-to-day Uh, practically in our walks with Jesus. It might be a new step in our finances, a new step into an area of ministry somewhere where the the Lord is breaking our heart and growing something in us and we know there's just something bubbling up. It might be a new step in sharing Jesus with those who don't know him, a new step geographically, a new step in faith and adventure as a family perhaps, a new step into freedom You know, in Hebrews 12, when it speaks of throwing off everything that hinders, the sin sin that easily entangles, it might be a new step, you know, as in throwing that off into newness. How we journey the new with Jesus matters. And what we grip onto will often determine our destination in those invitation moments. Let me say that again. How we journey the new with Jesus matters. And what we grip onto will often determine our destination in those invitation moments. To step in or to stay put, or even to step in or step back. The US standard railroad gauge, we're taking a bit of a a veer here, a bit of a turn. So the distance between the rails is four feet, eight and one and a half inches. Uh, You might wonder, why is it such an odd number? It's because it's the way they built them in England. And American railroads were built by British expats. So why did the English adopt that particular gauge, that distance between the rails? Because the people who built the pre-railroad tramways used that gauge. 
And they, in turn, were using that gauge because the people who built tramways used the same standards. And the tools that they used for building wagons, which were set on a gauge of four feet, eight and one half inches. Why were wagons built to that scale? Because with any other size, the wheels did not match the old wheel ruts on the roads. So who built the old rutted roads? The first long-distance highways in Europe were built by Imperial Rome for the benefit of their legions. The roads have been in use ever since. The ruts were made by Roman war chariots. Four feet, eight and one half inches was the width a chariot needed to uh, accommodate the rear ends of two war horses. You know, maybe the way it's always been isn't the great excuse some believe it to be. Maybe the Lord wants to bring some change into how we journey change and to whisper, it doesn't need to be the way it's always been. It doesn't need to be the way it's always been. New roads to freedom, new rivers of fullness, just waiting to be walked. So two things I want to share. I want to share, firstly, hold lightly to what the world brings. And secondly, hold tightly to what Jesus brings. So very simple uh, points this morning, but I hope they uh, encourage us. Hold lightly to what the world brings. I want to read from Mark's Gospel. And a couple of verses in Mark 17. Or Mark 10, sorry. Mark 10, verse 17. And uh, it's the story of the rich young ruler. So we're going to start at verse 17 to verse 25. And it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. There was an invitation for this man onto a new road to do a new thing. Just a couple of things from those verses. Firstly, I love how we read uh, how we read God's word and something illuminates afresh and something just shines. And I just love, we could do like a whole series through this couple of verses. Verse 21, when Jesus looked at him and loved him, and then he speaks about what he lacked. I love, I love the Lord's, I love Jesus' compassion in that moment for this man, that his uh, heart wasn't directed towards the right things, but the Lord, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. He knows him and loves him. And then in verse 22, we see the man, his face fell. His face fell when Jesus instructed him what he would need to do. To go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. He knew perhaps the worldly repercussions. 
He knew what had to change. We see very clearly what the man was gripping onto in that moment. And we see secondly as well, when he went away, he went away sad. He went away sad because he had great wealth. There's a real contradiction in that in a worldly sense, isn't there? He went away sad. In a worldly sense, he had great wealth. What's there to be sad about? So, uh, yeah, just seeing that that isn't the answer. Jesus saying that isn't the answer, but he just couldn't part with it. He couldn't part with it. To journey and to step into the new that God has for us, we must hold lightly to what the world brings, to what the world offers. I remember when I worked in the bank a number of years ago and I'd applied to be the bank manager of uh, one of the branches in Aberdeen. I had my career path sorted I loved helping people. That role was never about sales. It was about service. It was about helping and supporting people. And this job step would be a significant pay rise. But I left the potential of this role, the security of this role. And I've been thinking about this week, what led me to that? What caused me to make that crazy step and to step in to become a youth worker for one year? And I think that at the very heart of it, for myself and as a couple, we, uh, since we got married, we, we wanted to say yes more than we said no to the invitations that we thought God had for us. To stack our yeses before God and see where it, it would take us. To not hold too tightly to stuff. To, and we don't get it right all the time. Like I could never part with my Xbox, for example. But I... <laughs> silly example but I think that the, that journey of stacking our yeses of trying to say yes more than we say no has led us here to planting Inverness Vineyard Church and of course money matters and of course a good career is great it's good to have ambition it's healthy but in the mix of that remembering at the very core at the very centre of who we are that the Lord is our ultimate provider and for us, as a, as a couple, in that shift, we have faithfully given out generously and lavishly sometimes at a cost to ourselves, but the Lord has always provided. We have taken routes that aren't as secure, and the Lord has always provided and blessed us. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves people who stack their yeses before him. And, you know, I love those moments because... That grip on uh, what the world says is security is, is lightened. Is, and we are re our hearts are realigned heavenward. And we see something of God's kindness in those moments. Something uh, of like what I'd like to call a thin place in those moments where we feel God's presence, where we uh, direct our hearts towards him. And often our journey into the new uh, that God has for us can be held back by an unhealthy reliance on the world's offer offerings and on an identity that's shaped by the world, how the world says uh, we're to react and choose and live and look forward. A focus on the world's new, the world's promises, the world's security. An identity and accumulation and building empires. And Jesus just wants to say, give it away and tear it down for the new road. In Matthew 6, 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. I want to ask us this morning and challenge us, where and what are we storing 
that God wants a new journey into surrender this morning. We can often trade in God's new for the world's new. And this morning I really feel, and I, I, it's been stirring in me this week, I want to light a spark of truth and importance that there are kingdom consequences to God's yeses that if we were to taste more as a community of Jesus followers, if we were to say yes more to those moments, we wouldn't want to do anything else on this side of heaven. There are stories that go beyond our own earthly existence in our yeses. There are things that will happen in our yeses that we will never get to see. The kingdom yeses carry power, potential and purpose. I want to read just a couple of lines from a book called Chase the Lion. And it speaks about Chase the Lion, not the line. Uh, and it speaks about the ripple effect the ripple effect of our yeses. It says this, you never know whom you are showing kindness to. It might be the great-great-grandmother of a king. It might be a future billionaire who will become a venture philanthropist. Or it might be your future son-in-law. When I was 13 years old, I was in the intensive care unit at Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois. Around two in the morning, I felt as if I was taking my final breath. This is the offer of Mark Batterson. The doctors called Code Blue and my parents called our pastor. We had just started going to the church and it was a church of thousands, so he didn't even know us. But that didn't keep him from coming to the hospital in the middle of the night to pray for me. He didn't know it at the time, but he was praying for his future son-in-law. I married his daughter nine years later and we gave him his first grandchild. Sometimes the seeds of our dreams don't germinate for months or years or decades. But if we plant and water, God will give the increase in due time. Why? Because you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. It will make or break you. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. When we learn and understand more the power of our yeses, would we step out more? Would we walk the new? Would we hold lightly to what the world is offering? You know, I think sometimes playing it safe can stagnate us and limit us. And this is not a call to be reckless, but to remember our first love. When he speaks, we listen and we move. So hold lightly to what the world brings and then hold tightly to what Jesus brings. Nothing can compare to what Jesus brings us. Nothing in this world, nothing. Life in fullness, living life to the full with him is all we need. And it's reassuring but deeply challenging to me. Live it to live in a place that I'm not settled because I want to know him more. And in that, I want to ask questions like, how different would I approach each day? How different would I parent, be a husband? How different would I tackle life's obstacles? How different I would risk and step out in faith? And as I read those things, I want more of that. I want to know Jesus more. I want to grasp and hold tightly to what he brings that I would fight for that grip when I'm tempted to let go. When I want to stay safe. That I would know that true safety is in his arms. 
Dutch theologian and uh, Prime Minister Abraham Kuyper, former Prime Minister, says there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Simon Ponsonby in his amazing book called Jesus is Amazing, I'd urge you to get it if you've not got it already, uh, speaks of Jesus's lordship. He speaks of uh, Jesus being over creation, Lord over sickness, Lord over the demonic, Lord over spiritual, over the spiritual, Lord over sin, our Lord over history and Lord over death. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Are we holding tightly to what Jesus brings? There are new roads ahead. And for some of us listening, some of you are pioneers that need to step into the promise of what God has for you and, uh, and remember and take faith in the ripple effect. There are those of you who God is reigniting right now, gifts and dreams. He's firing them up, ideas and opportunities. There's those of, uh, those of you watching, those of us watching, that he's stirring again the gifts of the prophetic and evangelism and compassion. There are entrepreneurs watching, musicians, builders, counsellors, secret encouragers. And all of this isn't just church speak. This is city speak. This is for our city and the nation and the nations. And this is at a cost as well for a living life for the kingdom. This is at a cost in an earthly sense to live life to the full with Jesus. And Mary and I, we know all of you, church family, and there'll be some of you we don't know yet, but we see stuff. And we want to say this morning afresh, bring your yes to him just now. Bring your yes all over again to Jesus. Start stacking those yeses. Hold lightly to the tick box worldly route of happiness. And again this morning, I knew this morning, hold tightly to the adventure with Jesus, to the radical, to the upside down kingdom, to the counter cultural way of living. And this morning might be about just taking some baby steps into this new week to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So Lord, I want to pray, would you sort our grip out today, this morning, right now, and would you prize our hands away from that which has been unhealthy? I want to pray by your spirit, you just highlight what it is that we've been gripping onto, that you just want to say finger by finger, just release that and bring it to me. Just come to me. Just say your yes all over again. Open your heart. I'm ready. I'm ready to meet you. May we echo the words of missionary Jim Elliott, who was martyred by the Aukan Indians in the 1950s. He said, take my life. Have it all. Have it all. May we echo that. May, our, may that be our prayer this morning. Take my life. Have it all. Have it all, Jesus.